0: Look at chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul and Timothy, the servants of Christ Jesus. So he introduces himself as Paul and my sidekick, Timothy, my young protege. He's like my son. We're working together. We're doing life together. We're serving alongside one another. Now, I want you to notice something here. Notice the title that he gives himself. He says, servants of Christ Jesus. Now think about that because everybody here, everybody in their cars, everybody outside, you serve something or you serve somebody. All of us are serving, whether we're serving ourselves, our own purpose, God's purpose, we're serving something or someone. And so what he's saying here is that we can serve a God because that God has humbly served us. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served But to serve and to lay down my life as a ransom for many, so we can serve because Jesus is a servant. Now think about this: we're created in His image, in the image of Almighty God, and He is a God who is a servant at His heart and in His core, who came then to serve, and so we reflect who he is when we serve. Your best life is found on the other side of being a servant of Jesus Christ. So we serve because he served us first. A servant is what? Is other-centered, not full of yourself. It's, it's uh, serving others. And so it is radical. It is counter-cultural. Jesus one time heard the disciples, and they were talking. They were kind of arguing about who was going to be greatest in the kingdom. He comes up to him, say, "You, you guys, you want to know how to be great? Yeah, we want to be great." So Jesus said, "The greatest among you is the servant of all. Your creator is defining greatness of life as this way: as you choose to serve God, serve His purpose." Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, literally in the original language, the doulos or the bond slaves of Jesus. It meant that you willingly, uh, with an admiring, loving heart, were choosing to serve your master in that culture. You would have your ear pierced. They would pierce your ear. You'd put it out, and they would pierce the ear, and then you would signify that you were a willing servant, not because you were forced to coerce or you had to, but you were willingly serving God. And that's what the word picture that Paul is painting here says to God's holy people in many translations read saints. It's addressed to the saints. And so I want us to think about that for a moment because I know that in social media, your social media profile, how many people are writing things like, uh, I love Mexican food, I-, I love tacos, I'm a saint. Well, we're, not, we're not writing things like that. So, because we think of saint as like like a superhero, like something that couldn't be attained to. But to be a saint literally just means, or holy, just means this. Just means you're separated. You're separated to God. That's all that it means there. Set apart for God. So anything that is uh, holy, something that's been separated to God. So in the Old Testament there, you had the tabernacle, you had the children of Israel carrying pots and pans, and they would like get the, just beat to death. Well, they were considered holy, even though they were beat up in, in, a, in a state of of, a, of brokenness there, because then they'd been set apart to God. So no matter how beat up you feel, no matter how much life has been done to you, in Christ Jesus, you can be separated unto him where then your life becomes what God, the identity that God speaks over you as a saint there. And so it's God who says who you are. It's Jesus who makes you to be that. A saint or God's holy people is simply one that believes in Christ. And so, and I get it. We, we push back. We think, that can never be me. But watch this. You're a saint not because of your conduct, You're a saint because of who you are in Christ. And I get it. You feel like you've blown it. You feel like you're unlovable. You can feel like you're unwanted or God is done with you. See, but God loves to tell people, as he does right here, that you are a saint. Some of you wonder, well, how can I be a saint when I'm so aware of my sin? Well, sin may describe some of your activity Okay, but a saint describes your ongoing identity. Sin may describe some of what you do, but it doesn't describe the totality of who you are. You may sin some of the time, but you are a saint all of the time. And so he says, he writes to the saints, those that are holy in Christ Jesus. And then he says in the next verse, verse 2, grace and peace and peace. To you and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says grace. And in your scripture, you always, you'll always read grace before peace. It never says peace and grace, but always grace and peace. Because see, as you experience the grace of God, the favor of God and God's goodness to you, because of that, 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 uh, that God showers down upon you, then you can have peace. You can have peace with God, the peace of God. And so grace and peace to you from God our Father. And how interesting it is. This is written to a people that they didn't know anything about God. To them, God, the the Egyptian gods were gods of things like alligators and animals and the sun and sunfish and cows and everything that was out there. And to the Syrian gods, they were cruel and they were carnal. To the pagan gods, God was a mother. So to a culture that has no idea who God is, which our culture is becoming more and more that way. No idea of who God is. He says, this is who God is. God's like a father, like a loving, caring, good father. Maybe you had a dysfunctional father, but your heavenly father is not dysfunctional. And he says, like, God is like a great dad that if he only had one picture in his wallet, it would be your picture. And he says, that's what God is like. And then he says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. And I love that, that there's something in his heart that he wants to take every opportunity he can to affirm the church and to say, every time I think about you, every time I remember you, he said, it's great, it's awesome, I love this church, and more on that in a moment. But I love that he says, as a a founding pastor, how he feels about them, how he's open about it, and I like to be that way with you, but he says... I, whenever I think of you, whenever I remember you, I'm praying for you, and you give me such joy. He says to them, uh, you've partnered with me faithfully for a decade, and you are an amazing church, is what he's telling them. He's saying, you're easy to love. He's telling them that I have oceans of gratitude for you every time that I think about you. He says, you're just an awesome church. And I want to say that every time that I think about you, my heart, too, is filled with, with gratitude. My heart is filled with appreciation. And I am so honored to be a part of this great church. So you are loved. And I just want to give you a big shout out. And then Paul says this. He says, I thank God. Now, remember where he was. He's in a hell hole, buried in the ground. okay. He's in chains to a Roman guard. Very little food, no sunlight. The smell of urine above him. People actually urinating on top of him. And in in that context, he says, I thank God. I'm full of gratitude to God. You see, one of the things we're gonna go on a journey, I'm gonna learn about how to handle a bad day. Paul was having a bad day. And yet in the midst of his bad day, he had a good attitude. and he shows us that you don't have to have a bad attitude just because you're having a bad day. Just because somebody's urinating on him, he still gives thanks to God, and he says, "Hey, I want to thank God. And, but I think sometimes for us, I don't know about you, but I probably would have been like, "Hey, I'm in like trouble and I'm on death row. Get me out of the dark hole and I'm hurting and I'm, I'm hungry and I'm lonely." Somebody help me. Paul just says, hey, I'm just so grateful to God. I just want to give thanks to Him. So but we just need to know that how are we going to respond to bad days? And so uh, we're going to learn how to have a good attitude. And when you go through bad days, and it's inevitable to have bad days. And somebody is saying, Well, could you just be could you just be more positive, Rod? And all right, I'll I'll be more positive. I am positive that you are going to have a bad day. So think about what your attitude is going to be like when you do. So he's going to talk to us about how to be mature. And he says this. He says, I love the fact fact that he says, my God. And he speaks to God not in this way of like, like, the God of the cosmos or the God or a God or the big guy in the sky or the man upstairs. He doesn't say that. What he says is this he says, My God. In other words, a God that I'm intimate with, a God that speaks to me and I talk to him, a God that 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 I know personally and I'm intimate with. He says, My God here. See, if you're not, if you're if you're new to the faith, or you're new to, to Christ following. You could speak of God in that, that context that he is my God that I know personally and that I walk with him that I know in a personal way. And then he says, and wouldn't when, when you want that? Then he says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. He says, I thank my God because I'm sitting in this dark hole of a prison remembering how cool you as a church are. He says, and in my prayers, all my prayers for you, I'm always praying with joy. He says, you're, so, you're such a great church. You just bring me joy. And then the prayer means to petition to call on God. And that's what we can do is we can call on him. And verse 5 says this. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. In other words, he's saying this. I'm giving you a shout out because of your financial generosity toward me which began back in the day 10 years ago, and you continue now. So it says, hey, thank you that when I showed up to start the church, you were there, and you were generous. And I want to thank you that you partnered with me all these years, 10 years later, and you are still generous. And I want to give you a big shout out that when we started, you were generous. Over 10 years later, you're still generous. And you're parked on a parking lot that we're buying because of your generosity. Oh, that's going to be a future church because of your generosity, because you partnered with what God is doing here. So right on. Amen. And give a big shout out. So thank you for your support. Continues here in verse 6. And verse 6, is this is really the heart of what I want to share with you. Verse 6 is, I feel this is the word of the Lord to us here this morning. So he says this, says, I'm absolutely sure, and I'm totally confident, and I give you a 100% money-back guarantee, with no exceptions And verse 6 is true. And he says this, being confident of this, that he, that is God, who began or started a good work in you, will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So here's Paul writing from prison, His dreams have been dashed. He's not on a stage, but he's writing from prison. And he doesn't say, oh, I just hope it works out. No. He says, I am absolutely convinced of this. And I am fully persuaded of this. And listen to me, everybody, because here's what he's saying. That even in difficult days... Even in turbulent days, even in uncertain days, God is a God who is always at work. That God is a God who is work in you. Even if you can't see it, God works within you. He says that he, in other words, it starts with God and ends with God. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So the work that God does, it starts with him and it finishes with him. We can think it's so dependent on us, but it says that he, and I get it, that many of us we get discouraged and despondent, we get depressed, and you look at your life there, and things aren't going your way, and you can just get so down, but you need to be reminded in the midst of of the the difficulty of a COVID-19 and a nation that is that our future seems so uncertain. But God is a God who is at work within you, and it is in you. The work of the Holy Spirit behind the scenes working within you, not just on you, but in you. It says, God has begun a good work. Begun. It implies there was a starting point where God began. Can you point to a time where you can say, yes, that is where God began to work within me? Perhaps if you can't point to that time, this morning could be the time that you start. You let God work within you. See, God can carry on his work within you regardless of what is happening externally. Regardless of what is spinning out of control, God can work within you. For some of you, today might be that that day that God begins his good work in your life. The good work starts when you say yes to God, when you say yes to forgiveness, when you say yes to being right with God, when you say yes to Jesus Christ and what He's done for us on the cross. And so there is a specific time where the good work starts within you, and it is God. So I think sometimes you look on the outside of your life, but see... But it's not. You can look on the outside and see everybody in their cars. Everybody looks good. But you think to yourself, but I'm so messed up on the inside. I'm so, like, jacked up on the inside. If you only knew what was going on on the inside of me, if you only knew the attitude and uh, uh, and the, the nasty thoughts and the desires that I have here. But he's begun. It is a process. It is ongoing. It is continuous. And you have to trust that it is God, that he is working within me. And I'll tell you this morning that the speaker, he's messed up. The speaker, he, he's just like you. He's jacked up, just, just like all of us. There's areas of our life there of brokenness from sin. But see, God is doing a good work. It literally means a noble work that God is doing. So God is changing you and developing you and challenging you and fixing you. In the middle of your drama, There is God who is at work shaping and molding and remaking and cleaning up. And God is doing what God can only do. And God goes where only God can go. And God can fix what only God can fix. And so the brokenness of the human condition. And so I want to encourage us that we wouldn't fight God's work. That we wouldn't resist God's work to re-filter our complaining in life there, the challenges we face and the disappointments because there is God at work within you shaping you, shaping your character. So God wants to work within all of us. And so developing the fruit of his spirit, the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and what God can only do. So God wants to see that in all of our lives. And again, he's begun This good work. And in the end, in the end, if you submit and you yield yourself to what God wants to do within you, you'll recognize and you'll look back and say, though it wasn't an easy work, see, God did a great work in my life. So I love that. Don't you love that to be reminded that God is working in you no matter what is going on around us? So He will finish the work. He will literally, He will complete that which he's begun. God is not a God that just starts something and quits the project halfway. How many people are like that? You start something, or you start reading, or you start a project, and you don't finish. Well, God's not like that. Everything that God starts, God finishes. God will finish the work within you. So don't quit. Don't give up on this. So, uh, so yes, You may be here this morning, and your cars are outside, and you say, I may not be all that God wants me to be, but he's not through working on me. He's not through working in me. And so no matter what is happening around you, God will finish his work in you. It says he'll carry it on into completion. And it is God. And it says, until the day of Christ Jesus... This refers literally to the Bema of Seat of Christ. It speaks of the judgment seat of Christ. So he's saying this. Now get your mind around this because this is an awesome concept which most of you probably we've never thought about. He says that he's going to complete the work until the day of Christ Jesus or the judgment of Christ Jesus. Now think about that that this church, he says, thank you, the previous verse, for partnering with me. Thank you for your generosity. He's saying this, the impact and the implications of your generosity of partnering with me in the gospel, the good news, are going on until the judgment of Christ. A couple thousand years later, still going on. We still have the book to read, still blessed by the contents because of the people there that were supporting Paul and supporting him as he was writing the scripture to the church at Philippi. I mean, it's just an awesome concept to try to get your mind around that. Well, church, know this, that you are loved and you are appreciated for who you are.